You are my love, my angel. Don't treat me like a potato. Hello, and welcome to the China Podcast. Uh, we're thrilled to be joined by Cameron Wilson, who is something, I suppose, of an expert on the domestic game in China. Cameron is from Dunfermline in Scotland. He spent the last 17 years living in China, where he has followed Shanghai Shenhua. He's the founding editor of Wild East Football, a website that covers the game in China. He has often been quoted by the world's top media about football in this country and has written for World Soccer Magazine, The New York Post, Writers, The Sunday Times, The China Project, Daily Mirror and The Guardian. Uh, Cameron, we're very, very grateful to finally have you on the podcast. Um, we'd originally arranged to do this a few weeks ago, but COVID caught up with you. Um, <laughs> how was the experience? Did you, did you get through it okay? It was a wee bit underwhelming, to be honest, after three years of zero COVID to have like a pretty mild flu. Uh, it was over yeah. before I knew it, but um, nevertheless, I was grateful that I made it through. But um, yeah, I'm fine now. So yeah, thanks for asking. Good, good. Glad to hear it. I think, um, yeah, everybody I know got COVID. Yeah, oh. I, I, was out, I was out of it for about three days. About three days I was... I was toast, I had a really high fever, and yeah. But other than that, it was just kind of weak, you know? Yeah. No, I had on, like, on Christmas Day, so that was a nice present, but... Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's okay. It's, I'm glad it's, yeah, it's, uh, glad it's done. It's, it's great, to have us, uh, great, great to have it behind us now, of course. Yeah. Um, so, right, let's start by reflecting on what was a terrific World Cup Despite all the politics and the talk over human rights abuses in the lead up to the tournament, when all was, was said and done, football was the real winner and particularly one man, Lionel Messi. Uh, what did you make of it all? I agree with you. I think it was a great World Cup. Um, I can't say that I had really high expectations before, but um, I think it surpassed my expectations. It was really pretty entertaining stuff. I thought all the political stuff works, I can understand a lot of it. I think the World Cup's really got to be about football, and in the end, I think it was. Um, also, I'm, I'm not really a big Messi fanboy, but at the end of the day, I think he just about deserved it. And it was, uh, it was some great games. And um, most of all, for a guy who writes about Chinese football, I think it was interesting to see that the Asian countries did really well. And I was really happy to see that. So overall, really positive. One thing was because it was in the middle of the season, it, it kind of looked like all the teams hit the ground running. So they were all ready for it. They were they were they looked fit yeah, when the when the, when yeah. the tournament started. Um, who impressed you most then at the World Cup? I think um, obviously Morocco were really good. Um, they were a breath of fresh air. I think it's great to see. It was also good to see an, a non-European country win it. Uh, I mean, that was the first time yeah. since when, I think 2002, when Brazil won it. It was the first time. Yeah, since, since Brazil, yeah. yeah, Brazil, yeah, so yeah. I thought that was good. Um, the final, I mean, just the final was just the most impressive thing. I mean, I was, obviously, we're, we're all in China, so it was a late night. Um, yeah. So I was sitting there, I don't know what time it was, it was like, what, was it one in the morning, something like that, I'm thinking... Aye, ten minutes, ten minutes left. I think I'll just like sneak off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, was, I just like, like an early yeah. I just, I just thought, you know what? 
I've seen it this late. I may as well just, you know, stay up and watch the yeah. the trophy and that. And well, that was uh, that was a good yeah. decision. The rest is history. I had a I had a friend of mine. He uh, went out to watch the game, and um, it was, you know, he just saw it as completely one sided. And so he left before the end of it and went home. And by the time he got <laughs> home, it was <laughs> yeah, it was totally totally kicking himself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched I watched it with my girlfriend, and um, she's Chinese, and she's a big Messi fan, and she probably yeah. likes Messi more than she likes football itself. But um, <laughs> I said to her, oh, 90 minutes to get this game's going to finish by one o'clock." You know, she, she's the type who goes to bed early enough. Um, this was the latest that she'd stayed up to watch a game. But come, yeah, come three a.m., it was it was still on, and we we sat up watching the celebrations. Uh, yeah, just just to see Messi win it was. Mm. It was phenomenal, really. It was good. I mean, the the reason, I mean, I kind of, you said your girlfriend was like, like a bigger fan of Messi than football itself. I mean, there's a kind of, there is a kind of class of football fan who is really into Ronaldo, but not, not really into Portugal or even uh, Man United or, or uh, in Messi's case, uh, PSG. But just Messi's contribution to the team, his style and the way he, Kind of knits the whole team together. I think was really a joy to watch, and uh, that was from a football point of view, football point of view. I thought it was it was good to see him get that recognition because I think he's always had that that kind of um, tombstone. Well, he's had Mar- yeah, yeah, he's, he's had Maradona on his back. He's had, yeah, yeah. There's a, the, the, that's the that's the thing. Um, he's always been compared yeah. to Maradona. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like he's never going to be as good as Maradona until he wins it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And and like there's a sort of a, an idolization of sports stars like Messi here in China, and there's there's a pattern in this country where people love the player more than the team. Yeah. Um, do you think that's more rooted in the lack of people having an affiliation to football clubs here? Like, um, you know, me personally, if if I see anything to do with Bohemians, I'm, I'm automatically, I feel attached to it, you know, because they're the team I support, you know. Um, but they don't have that attachment. Do you think they don't have that attachment in China? Is that unique to China? Um, um, it's not, I don't think it's unique to China. Um, I, think it's, I think it's more likely to happen in countries which don't have a particularly strong football culture foundation. Um, I think... I mean, there's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, you, you can be, you can be a little bit dismissive of it or think, well, you know, are you, are you into football or are you just into celebrity? But if people, are, if it brings people into the sport, then I think on a basic level it's good. But I think in China there's definitely a, there's definitely a gap where uh, a strong domestic culture, strong domestic Chinese teams and a strong Chinese national team leaves a bit of a hole to be exploited. And that's where your fans who support Messi or, or Ronaldo or some other player, and that's they, they kind of fill that space. Well, I, I, in saying that, like the, the fact that Ronaldo has signed such a huge contract over with Al Nasser, you know, yeah. it, could that be a sign that maybe it's an, an Asian thing? Do you, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah I mean... It's probably similar. I mean, like, 
I'm personally not uh, very well informed about Saudi Arabian football, but I would imagine that's a fairly logical argument. Um, I think, like you say, it's not just Asia. It's, I think it's in countries which don't have a long tradition of football. Yeah, it's yeah, more, yeah. More, likely, mm. more likely to be like that. Yeah, and of course, if, if you think about Europe, if you think about South America, especially the, the football clubs are over 100 years old, many yeah. of them. Whereas yeah. in Asia, in China in particular, we have clubs that were founded only five or six years ago. As yeah. for example, the um, the, the new, newly crowned champions of the of the Chinese Super League, Wuhan Three Towns. Yeah. I think they were founded in 2016, if I'm right. Yeah. yeah um, so. It is like a, I mean, especially in China recently, there's there's been a lot of teams come and go. Uh, a lot of teams went bust and whatnot. So it's it's very fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit more extensive state of football in China. Um, Cameron, you've been here quite a long time, and you've been around <laughs> the domestic yeah. game, and you've wrote about it, right? And yeah. for such a massive influential country uh, with what we're told is a football loving president the game here it's going backwards like football clubs are going out of business because yeah. you know financial issues and they're no longer able to attract the top foreign talent and the national team is incapable of competing with the rest of Asia's best like where has it all gone wrong uh, I mean, yeah, everything you said is true. I mean, it's it's a really complicated um, it's a complicated picture. Um, th- there's a lot of different facets to. It. I mean, if I could, I mean, what I always say when I, when I talk to me all the time, but it's, it's basically there's there's two there's two parts to it. One is um, two two rough. Two, two kind of general parts. The first is like what we mentioned just a few minutes ago about a kind of lack of a strong culture which generates interest uh, in the sport um, beyond a kind of superficial interest in foreign football and then the way the sport's administered and managed. And both those things are very problematic. That's how to, that's the short version. Mm. Yeah. Um you see it even your even myself and just watching kick around games they they can't even get a referee to do the job you know um and it, and, and and i don't really see much interest in uh in smaller leagues in 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 like local leagues around uh around china you don't you don't see kids playing in yeah. under 14s leagues or anything like that um I mean, it, it it does exist, but it's not widespread. That, that's the thing. I mean, you can you can find people in China who are, especially the fans of the, the CSL clubs or even the clubs in the lower division. You can find people who are really into their club. They're hardcore. They go all the way games. They're really passionate. And there's quite a few of them, but it's a very it's like a subculture in China. So. Like if you, I mean, use it for Ireland, right? So, I mean, you've you've got actually quite a few different sports like Gaelic or uh, hurling and so oh, on. Hurling, yeah, yeah. Or rugby. Yeah. But even if you're Irish and even if you don't 
if you don't like hurling and you don't like Gaelic, you know about it. You know who all the players are. So if you, but if you were to look at say, um, if you, for example, if you were to take like a a, a, a minority sport in Ireland, like a, I don't know, maybe <clears> like say table tennis or something, <clears> people <throat> wouldn't know who's the table tennis stars of Ireland. So if you take that in China, it's kind of like the same thing. So I always take uh, my mother-in-law as like a barometer for uh, for the average <laughs> Chinese person's interest in football. So one time I was asked her, so when, when Maradona died, I said to her, I said to her, I says, have you, have you heard the Maradona? She goes, aye, because that, that's that guy with blonde hair, right? I was like, no, 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 it's, it's not. So <laughs> she didn't really know who he was. So that's like a way to illustrate the absence in the Chinese mass consciousness of, of of football as a as a as a superstar thing, so yeah. so basically it's a subculture. Basically, yeah. we're really into it, but the average person they know what football is, but that's about it. Mm. Like it, football in China doesn't seem to have what what Owen is alluding to, like the, the, the foundations, especially from a grassroots level, from a schoolboy level. Yeah. Um, do you think then that influences the the, the the Chinese Super League, the more the, like the professional game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the problem is that like Chinese people are actually really they're really supportive of their own things if the conditions are right. So uh, when I mean, there's, there's fans of the Chinese team who, who support the national team that they're really fanatical, but there's not enough. There's just not enough success, and then there's not enough support for the game at lower levels to, to turn to, to, to provide yeah. the national team more success, and then to in turn attract more fans, and then attract more people to devote their life yeah. or, or uh, get let their kids play it, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, um, let's say China were to qualify for the next World Cup um, and do reasonably okay, do you think maybe then that would attract more people to them and people to get behind them as a, as a nation? And then maybe that will carry on over the next number of years in, into the domestic game? It would help. And it's it's possible that that happens. But the problem is, um, the problem is actually pretty fundamental, in my opinion. Um, we talk about lack of football culture, but that's a problem. But it's actually, it's actually deeper than that because for the average Chinese family, Chinese person, there's not a lot of space in Chinese society for people to spend time on things which are not going to necessarily deliver an obvious benefit to their family. So, for yeah, example, yeah. when when parents, uh, uh, parents are like uh, thinking about what they're going to let their kids do, like kids who are like, say, under 10, yeah, sure, some of them will play football. Um, but a lot of kids, because of social pressure and um, Parents worries about the kids falling behind in school or whatever. They, there's not that much 
tolerance for, for parents to let their kids do something which is non-academic. Basically, Chinese parents want their kids to spend most of their free time on academic pursuits to make sure they don't fall behind in their class. Uh, it's just hyper hyper competitive and parents are basically worried that the kids will not be able to get a really good score when they get older, get a good exam score to go to in the Gaokao to go to a good university and then to get a good job and to earn money and to look after the parents and to bring up their kids. That, that's basically, in my view, what, what the actual root cause is. So, and that doesn't just affect football. It affects a lot of things. So it's, it's kind of like a social issue. Yeah, it's a, it's a cultural thing. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not from, from outwardly, it's not an infrastructure thing because yeah, yeah. every city in China seems to have a, a stadium that fits 40,000 people. Like they, they have the capacity to have, you know, a 10 division league with promotion and relegation, but the, the structures are in place. The, the structures are in place, but the game is not there. The game is not there. Yeah. yeah. If you, you mean um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier about like the league. Um, if you think about football in Europe, um, basically, if you are say you're a top player, you play in a top top league. Um, when you get older, you're slow down. You're physically not at the top of your game anymore. You can drop down the leagues in Europe, and you can still play professionally, and you, and you can still make it worth playing, you can still earn money, you can still make it uh, uh, make a living from it. But in China yeah, true. it's just not the the strength and depth in the pyramid really isn't there. Even in the CSL, maybe only half of the clubs are actually proper teams with like a, a big support and have decent money. And as soon as you go down the leagues, it's I mean, it's it's not it's not really, there's not enough uh, uh, support at lower levels to make it yeah. Uh, viable to, to play football professionally. Well, that's the thing, and of course, then we've had a number of clubs in in China um, go go bust basically in the last couple of years. Um, the likes of Jiangsu FC, um, only a few months or something after they won the Chinese Super League in yeah. 2021, yeah. they're gone. Qingdao FC are gone. Um, here in Chongqing, Liangjiang, Liangjiang yeah. Athletic FC. Li Fan or Dandai, it changed the, it's um, changed its name a couple of times. Based and on and that, 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 that club, um, they had a brand new stadium. There's a brand new 60,000 yeah. state of the art stadium that was, that had been built in Chongqing. It's going to be ready very and soon. And I'm in the WeChat groups of the supporters and it was just, yeah. they were so excited. And, and there's no football club now to play at that stadium. 60,000 people. And this was yeah. one of the stadiums actually that was built purposely for the, yeah. um, yeah. the Asian Cup next year and, or this year, which won't happen. Now. And, 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 and to go back on the structural thing, they previously played in uh, Fuling in a 45,000 seater stadium. Mm. And then they moved into the center of Chongqing here and they played in the Olympic Stadium, which is an 80,000 seater stadium. And then they had a new 60,000 seater stadium built and now the club's gone. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. I mean, I, I've actually I've watched Shanghai uh, Shanghua, uh, I watched them play Chongqing in that stadium. I think it was Olympic Stadium. You know, like Chongqing fans, their fan base is really good. The fans Brilliant. are passionate, and they had mm-hmm. uh, for a while yeah. they were getting really, really respectable crowds, like thirty, forty thousand. Um, and I mean, Chongqing's actually had quite a like Li Fan. They were in existence for a long time, 
So it's yep. really it's pretty tragic to see Chong Cheng lose its team that way because it was a really it was one of the definitely one of the better cities in China in terms of supporting local clubs. Yeah, oh, we had Tony Adams managing us. Yeah, Paul, Paul Rideout played there in the late nineties, I think, as well. And then we had a we had one of the managers uh, with the South Korean manager. He used to manage Chongqing as well. Oh, yeah, was um, Lee, Lee they are. Yeah, like it's a. It, why why do you think all these clubs collapse? What do you think was the structural problem behind the collapse of these clubs? There's a lot of different factors. Uh, the main the main reason is that um, the a lot of clubs were propped up by conglomerates or uh, real estate companies or large enterprises which put money into football clubs because they could gain political capital from it because you you didn't make money from football in China uh, not not directly you basically put money into the club and the, and the government will say, all right, so all right, you, you, you put $100 million into this club, uh, maybe you'll get the contract for this uh, residential compound somewhere, something like that. Um, it, it more or less works on some version of that, uh, that system of uh, favours, as it were. Um, but the even before the pandemic, the government's focus on football changed, or at least, at least they, everybody thought that the government was really, really into football, and and the reality I think was a little bit different. So there was less political capital to be accrued from supporting football. So a lot of companies took the money out, and um, that that's one aspect. Of course, the pandemic is is a is another thing which really didn't help, and then. The change of rules so that it was it was not possible. It was much more difficult to bring big name foreigners in, which is actually there's a, there's a good and a bad side to that. But there was a lot of things happening at the same time, um, and it's just really it's really a tragedy how many clubs, especially the clubs which which have been around a long time and have some quite a lot of history and tradition, have disappeared. So um, brings us to today. The change of today is really pretty moribund at the moment unfortunately it's interesting because like china's monetary reach we, uh, has a huge monetary reach abroad and we saw that at the world cup um that it was so sponsorship heavy if you watched any game yeah. you saw multiple chinese companies advertising i mean i mean i would say that football like football is dominated by business everywhere mm. but china is dominated by politics um but that's in a domestic sense. If you look at, you're right to you highlight all the kind of uh, sponsorship of the, the World <clears> Cup. <throat> is, um, that's as, as I understand it, that's more Chinese companies want to go global, so they want to, you know, advertise, get their name out there, get the brand awareness. Um, that's so they would be doing that even if the World Cup wasn't a football competition. So that that's not really. It's because football is the most popular global sport. It's it's not necessarily anything to do with the sport itself, if you see what I mean. I think it's because it's a really it's a, a main reason because it's a really massive global platform. So, but the point I would make is that you know in China it's always it's always about something else other than football. That, that's that's really what the problem is. It's always about politics or interest or 
business, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not that other places mm. aren't like this, because we yeah. know that this happens a lot, but in China it's just worse than elsewhere. And you could look at Europe and you can talk about how the game has been sold out or watered down and the Champions League is all about money and all that. And, and you'd be right, but the difference is in Europe, uh, you have that cultural and historic foundation which enables the game to maintain its uh, maintain something about it beyond just it, beyond its business attractiveness. It's integrity. It's able exactly. to maintain its integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. So that's the thing. But when when in China it's just so difficult for the clubs to to build that kind of integrity and to have that kind of attractiveness, which will keep people coming to the games, even if there's. Uh, ulterior motives and, and business jiggery pokery going on or political games. Uh, there's just so many there's so many things conspire against Chinese clubs and Chinese football to which which distract from the actual football itself. Yeah. And you know, speaking on the on the football itself, um I've I've been to see underage Chinese games a lot. They used to play um here in Chongqing um, up in a city called Wanzhou. When the Chinese national team lost to Vietnam, um, the Chinese football fans were usually friendly and nice and inclusive. They 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 really took it they, they took it quite badly. Can you see any any reason for that? Can you see any reason for you know the Chinese fans' frustrations at the national team? I think it's. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they're not. They're not any different for fans of any, of any other country. Um, I think the problem is that there's um, maybe a, a wee gap in terms of expectations, are maybe higher than what they maybe should be. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're right to highlight the, the nature of Chinese fans. I mean, Chinese football fans are. Uh, obviously, I'm very biased, but I mean, I've I've nothing but absolute admiration for the fans. They're really, really passionate. They're really, like you say, really open and friendly. I've had so many amazing times at Chinese football games, getting to know Chinese people through football. It's been really a big, a massive privilege, and it's been a, I've had so many great adventures through that. So, I, I can feel for their frustration and understand it, but I think. It's just a shame that they just they're in they're in the minority. Uh, there's not enough people who are really into football. That's yeah. part of the problem. And the other thing is when you think about it, um, you know, as you as you know, China's a really uh, conformist kind of society. <laughs> um, it's not like devoid. I'm not saying it's devoid of of uh, different opinions and, and then the individuals and whatnot. But there's generally like a strong consensus for things. And if you look at the average Chinese person, they'll probably just kind of scoff when you talk about Chinese football. Or they'll say something disparaging. So you think about what kind of place China is, and the the kind of there's kind of like social hurdles or some there's some kind of barriers to being a football fan in China, which the average Chinese person has to get over. So if you think about the kind of the kind of Chinese person who's attracted to football is, is usually somebody who's maybe a little bit more free thinking or somewhat somewhat. Somewhat non-mainstream, I would say. 
So you get you get a really interesting kind of demographic at a Chinese football game. It's it's not not quite your average kind of your average Joe. Um, but I think by the same token, it attracts people who are quite idealistic. I think, and um, they are the kind of people who can kind of be really uh, happy and uh, totally into the game in one minute, and then the next minute they're really de- dejected and totally pissed off at the result. So I think that sort of, to some extent, explains the kind of wild reactions you get to some of the defeats. Mm. Like, not only do, do they not have a national team competitive, that's even in the slightest bit competitive in, in Asia, um, and they've got a crumbling, what seems to be a, a crumbling national uh, domestic league as well, um, but they also now have no Asian Cup to look forward to this year. Uh, China was supposed to to host the Asian Cup in this year, as as I said earlier, had some purposely built new stadiums, um, and now Qatar has picked up uh, picked up the Asian Cup, and that's their gain. It's China's loss. Um, can you see much of a future, to be honest, for, for growth in in China for, for football? I mean, I'd say the fundamentals are good, but that's always been the case. Um, the Asian Cup is it's really unfortunate as a missed opportunity and obviously China is more than more than well equipped to, to host Absolutely, yeah, yeah. A, a good competition um, in a way it was kind of understandable because I think it was last summer they said they were, were cancelling on it and I think they, they had to do it in advance because it's you know it's, it's quite a big quite a big tournament requires a lot of organisation so yeah. at that time China was knee deep in COVID zero, and, and I don't think anyone could have really went ahead with hosting a big international event at that point because it it really looked like it was too late at that point to to commit to it. Um, I mean, I mean, there's reasons to be somewhat a bit less pessimistic, shall we say, because COVID zero is over finally, and this season, this coming season which I think should start uh, right about the start of March. The stadiums will be open, the fans will be back. There'll be... It's been so depressing the last three years. Like, literally, it's like... I I mean, as as a long-standing fan, I mean, I've not even paid that much attention to it as much as usual because I think the last three years, the fans are not there, or they're playing bubble games. It's really not that... It's not that interesting, so... When, When was the last time you were in the stadium? It was actually last Saturday. Uh, no, sorry, oh, it was yeah? last Saturday. But that was my first game in a year and a half. First game so, in a year and a half. Yeah, that was, for me, is really a strange experience to, to go like that length of time without seeing a game. Back again after so long, yeah. Well, one of the things I was looking forward to when moving to Chongqing was being able to go and watch the games. Now we don't have a club. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's just such a pity now that we have this, we have this state-of-the-art modern stadium and no football yeah. club. I mean, it's really how sad. often... Let's, how often is it going to be used? I mean, let's be fair. It's, it's really sad. I mean, give us some time. I mean, I mean, Chongqing is a really big city, and there's, uh, there's a, there is actually a, a tradition there of teams. So, I would a proud be, city. It's a proud city as well. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely, there, absolutely, like, absolutely. One of the things, one of the things that really strikes about Chongqing, if you ever come here, is the people are proud of where they're from. You know, yeah. and, and and to give them a reason to shout in a football stadium, they love that. 
I mean, that, that's one of, I think that's one of the reasons why, from a fan point of view, Chinese domestic football is quite, it, it works to a point because China's like, uh, it's, it's like a lot of European countries where it's quite regionalised and the different regions have got their own little accent or language, they've got their own food, they've got their own things to take the mickey out of each other about. So it's kind of, football adds that kind of sense of identity for, for cities and regions and that's, it's a shame that there's been so many clubs lost, but, you know, in time, you'd hope that there'd be a new team comes along in Chongqing and um, they can start again. You would like to think that at some point there will be a football club again. Yeah. Oh, Such de- a huge definitely. city like that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this city is the size of Austria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, has, there has to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you, you've... You were saying earlier you've been around the grounds in China. Um, so, like generally, COVID aside, what are the what are the attendances like at a, at a league game in China? Full house or it can be. Uh, it depends. Obviously, it depends where you go. But uh, I mean, I've been at more games than I can count here, and um, I mean, a lot of games. It's, it's a big crowd. And it's I mean, the fans are just as into it as they would be in Europe or South America or anywhere, whereas, uh, you know, a passionate fan base. Um, I mean, also, I'm, I'm a Shenhua fan, so I've been to Shenhua Stadium as a football-specific spe- stadium, which is a rarity in China. I mean, it's like you said, there's been quite a few stadiums were built for the Asian Cup, so it would be nice if those, those were used for clubs. But, uh, like, Shenhua Stadium is like, I mean, it's just as good as anything in Europe, and the, the atmosphere is really amazing. Um, I mean, being at Gongti in Beijing, watched uh, Shanghai versus Guan, Beijing Guan, really amazing atmosphere. And uh, obviously, my boy yeah. was with Shanghai, but the Beijingers are really brilliant in their team, and you know they give it maximum backing. So that's and that's the bigger clubs, even the smaller teams. You can, you know, you can go there and it's open, it's welcome. Mm. And you can get a great, you have a great time, and the atmosphere is usually pretty good. Yeah, that was one of the things about the Olympic Stadium here. Uh, you you were actually quite far away from the pitch, um, yeah. Yeah. which we we could be as as loud as we wanted, but you know it doesn't doesn't feel the same as if you're in a football <laughs> stadium rather than a a, a, a a stadium with a running track, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean that's always been a problem in China, like a actual football dedicated stadiums but uh, it's, it's slowly changing so let's hope that that improves we just need clubs now to fill the stadiums <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite That's problem true. to like maybe 5-10 years ago um, what, do you think there are any measures that, they, that, that could be put in place to clubs back in the league I think uh, that'll keep them there I mean the biggest problem, the biggest problem with Chinese football in terms of the way it's run is that it's too much dominated by political interests. So, so for example, um, you know how FIFA has like statutes which say that uh, national associations should be run free from government interference, but unfortunately that's not how it works in China. So you have people who make decisions about how the how the league is run and how. Uh, how the clubs are administered and it's not football reasons are not typically not the reasons the decisions are made 
So again, mm. it's it's quite it's pretty fundamental. It's like there's some pretty big and powerful forces which get in the way of the football, and that's that's just a part of the nature of China. Do you think uh, fan-owned clubs could could become a could become a thing in China? No, because I'd say I don't mean to be sceptical or overly harsh, but fans like football fans in China are treated pretty badly um, by the club owners and management. Um, I would like that to be true, but I would like to see fan-owned clubs. But I think it's probably quite some way off in China just yet. Unfortunately, I think fans in China are seen as a bit of an inconvenience by owners um, because owners typically are they're involved in football, not 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 for football reasons. So the fans are kind of a bit of an afterthought, and that's that's really part of the issue. Uh, again, just Chinese football is just never about football. That's the unfortunate truth. Okay, so. We've had you on for uh, quite a while, Cameron, and it has been very, very enjoyable. Yeah, thanks so much for for um, agreeing to do this. Uh, it's been great. Um, yeah. You can uh, follow Cameron on his Twitter handle at CameronWEF. You can follow us on our Twitter handle. You can follow us at the China Podcast. Yeah, Cameron, thanks so much. Thanks very much, Lazar. Enjoyed the chat and thank you very much for the invite. Enjoyed it. Hopefully we'll get to see you at a a Shanghai game soon. Yeah, definitely. Let me know if you're in Shanghai. If I'm in Chongqing, I'll definitely get in touch. Hopefully we have a club to support. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully you have somewhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. See, it's going to be... The next few years in Chinese football is going to be pretty interesting, to say the least. Yeah, it's make or break for it, I would say. Absolutely. Let's see if China can qualify for the, the World Cup as well. Because we got, I think, five, four or five extra spaces for an Asian team. So okay, well, the there's no excuse. They aren't as good as Vietnam. We not, know not, yet, not yet. They've got to catch <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> Pass Vietnam first. <laughs> all right. So all right. that's all for us uh, for this third episode of the Expat Experience on the China podcast. Thank you for listening. And... Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Toodles. Shungojo Shumandukwe, Madu. Shizuzea, Uhano, Yosomone, Bukasan, Ubusha, Bibi. Uyoso, you tend to Ubusha, 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 